I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life. We'd like to thank you for listening, and you can follow us on Instagram at SoundtrackCast and on Twitter at Soundtrack underscore your. And uh, if you like the show, if you could give us a five-star review on whatever platform you use, that allows reviews. Today, Nicole and I are going to talk about the 2022 Oscar nominations for Best Original Song. Oh, yeah. Hi, Nicole. How are you? <laughs> Ryan, category is songs that we're never going to listen to again in our lives. Let's not lead with that. Let's let's let no, that just unfold kidding. slowly. Okay, just kidding. Scratch that. <laughs> Redo. So with the Oscar nominations, there are five this year. They're, they don't necessarily need to have five songs. So how many songs are mandatory? Is there a mandatory number of songs in the best song category? I think just two. Two that they only have to have two. That's and that that happened in 2011. What were the two in 2011, and what was going on with music that year? I'm not sure, but the two songs that were nominated were both from. I don't want to call them kids' movies. So one was from the movie Rio, which I believe is an animated film called Real in Rio. Mm-hmm. And the other song was Man or Muppet from the Muppet film. Wow, that is thin. And what one, the parrots or the Muppets? Oh, the Muppets, because Brett McKenzie from Fight of the Concords wrote it. Brett McKenzie has an Oscar? Yes. Wow. You know, this little mini episode is going to bring out so many fun facts and it might become a, a maxi episode. And you know who doesn't have an Oscar? Diane Warren. Warren. <laughs> sorry girl so i honestly wanted to really pull for diane warren because so she's been nominated i want to say like 17 times it's a lot yeah she's always a bridesmaid never a bride so first i wanted to defend her like you know just be nominated 17 times that's huge honor in itself you know because it shows how consistent she is but then like she's been nominated seven of the last eight years which is i mean again heavy hitter consistent you expect her she's a staple of this award ceremony she's a staple in music but I have a couple theories on why she doesn't win. And I think one of them comes back to the song she's nominated for this year, which is improbably called Somehow You Do by Reba McIntyre. And I, the part of this theory entails that her songs aren't good. And that might be holding her back a little bit because they're not great. So I went back through her like discography or I don't know what they call that for songwriting and if I have like a musical arch nemesis it might be Diane Warren she's kind of musical kryptonite like I'm glad that she's done great for herself she's written a 32 top 10 songs but I don't think I like any of them no 
I don't think I like any of them either. And like, sorry, I think it's okay to, uh, you know, cast aspersions on Diane Warren. She's pretty successful. It's not like we're punching down. The woman's fine. But these songs, you know, there's something about them that they're made to be in the middle. They're made for that title sequence that at the end. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. You know, they are, they are a background blend. They're not standouts. And she's also written for Millie Vanilli. <laughs> so there you go. I, it's, it's a paycheck to Diane Warren, right? And, you know, I respect that. Like she gets in there, she cranks out her songs, she collects her paycheck, she goes home. And so this song, Somehow You Do, from Reba McIntyre and songwriter Diane Warren is um, just a really, I think, peak example. It, it's just, it's, it's not a great song, folks. It's not, it's not a great song. I had to watch, I didn't have to watch them, but I chose to watch the music videos where they existed for some of these songs. <laughs> Ryan's eyebrows right now. I chose to watch the music video. So there, there are all these cliche, like really trite lyrics about like coming down a road at the crossroads. And you know where Reba is? She's literally in the middle of a road, reaching the peak and being up too high. And Reba is like literally on a mountain. So it's that song, right? <laughs> engineered to be inspirational so to be nice diane warren i will just say i don't think her music is for me not for me not my cup of soup do you even know what this movie is four good days no i know glenn close is nominated for it or for acting in it and mila kunis is in it and mila kunis does not look like she's having four good days on the poster it's 40 miles of bad days. I saw the poster as well. And I was like, nope, nope. Kind of looks like a Lifetime movie. Somebody's on drugs. So the one thing I wanted to point out as far as in defense of Diane Warren is I believe I read somewhere that they referred to her as, as the Susan Lucci of the Oscars. Mm. And that's such a specific reference. And mm -hmm. I wish we stopped bringing that up. And also, I feel like we only bring that up for women because they're like, oh, Martin Scorsese was the male Susan Lucci until he won for The Departed. It's a really great point. Like, I, and nobody says you got, you know, you're the Leonardo DiCaprio prior to him winning for The Revenant or whatever he won for. Yeah, you're right. Why, why does it get pinned on women? And if the, why is Susan Lucci synonymous with being an Oscars loser or an awards loser? Not cool. But... Also, uh, she better not fucking one for this song because of that reason. <laughs> and also to sum up, this song is really bad. Um, it's really bad. And I don't even want to really spend that much time on it because it's very bland and it's very mediocre. And um, yeah, it's you would leave the credits of the movie and not stay to hear this song because it's not compelling. I'm so sorry, Reba. My wife said you had a very enjoyable sitcom. Women all over love your sitcom, Reba. We love you, but we don't love this song. So Down to Joy from Belfast, music and lyrics by Van Morrison. Um, my favorite part of this nomination is that I got to tell Ryan that Van Morrison is Irish because he didn't know. It's If it was Van Bono, I would know he's Irish. <laughs> Ryan knows one Irish musician and it's Bono. And that's it. 
Also, the band Ash, but nobody knows who Ash is. Uh, yeah, I mean, being Irish is kind of his whole like defining quality. That's his entire brand, I think, um, which is why he has not only this song in the movie Belfast, which is clearly set in Ireland, but um, apparently something like eight others. So uh, apparently Van Morrison songs are like the connective thread for this entire film. And this song was the one original song that he wrote for the movie. But there is actually no soundtrack. Like you can't buy a soundtrack. You can't stream a soundtrack. There's not even like a single of just this one song. So people can listen to the nominated song. Like shouldn't that be a prerequisite for being able to be nominated? Like you should be able to find a song somewhere except on YouTube. I mean, frankly, it feels like there should be a lot of prerequisites for being nominated. But I think if you only need two, they're just kind of letting everybody in for the sake of the ceremony. <laughs> it's all good. Whatever. <laughs> you don't need to have a soundtrack. I, I, I have to, I'm not going to defend this Van Morrison song per, per se, uh, but I grew up listening to Van Morrison because my parents liked him. This is a very parental thing. Like if you're a certain age, like your parents probably listen to a lot of Van Morrison it was kind of like very adult contemporary chic at a certain time. And at least it sounds like good for him. So if you are a Van Morrison fan, there's a chance that you're going to like this song. You might like a nice, soulful, upbeat, ballady thing with some horns, right? It's fine. Um, but I think, again, maybe Van Morrison just isn't your cup of tea. For me, my only point of reference is this song is no brown-eyed girl it's no brown-eyed girl it's no astral weeks it's, it's not you know top of the mountain by anybody's standards but it's aggressively fine i i think the worst thing about van morrison is that he is also kind of become this like controversial figure and a big time dick about covid <laughs> because you know van morrison's whole deal with like not believing in covid right I just assume that it's stopping him from being able to tour, make money. Well, no. So, so Van Morrison has become like aggressively conspiracy theory guy, like conspiracy theory old dude. And he's actually written a whole series of anti-lockdown songs with titles like Born to be Free and No More Lockdown. Literally, Van Morrison has a song called No More Lockdown. <laughs> and like Ireland is threatening to like remove his like strip him of his medals of honor because of his stance on the pandemic. So there's all this controversy surrounding Van Morrison. He probably won't play at the Oscars proper because, you know, I don't think Van is down with the backs. But the song probably wouldn't be that good, even if he was pro-vax. Even if he was pro-vax, probably would be great. But all of that is to say that I think we're starting with the two songs that probably have the, the least chance of winning. These wouldn't even be dark horses. They're just not even like on the track. So we have Reba, we have Van Morrison, this is kind of like, you know, staple artist, another, another kind of big, big name artist that's a big deal on this list is Beyonce for her song Be Alive from um, King Richard, which is the sort of autobiographical movie about the Williams sisters. Um, I had never heard this song and didn't know it existed before we looked into this. Had you heard this song before? I think I knew Beyonce had recorded a song for the sound for the movie. I'm not a big enough Beyonce fan where that would have 
piqued my interest to actually listen to it right away. I mean, this is one of those, this is one of those moments and one of those songs where it's like, of course the Oscars are not going to sleep on having Beyonce perform at their show. From a tennis court. Yeah. So that's, that's really happening. She's going to be like live via tennis court. I think that's what I read. I can see it. I mean, after watching Homecoming, I'm not going to question any live performance decision that Beyonce makes. Not at all. I, if anything, that's like a huge point for turning and tuning in. Like, I hope she's like fully got like a whole fleet of like tennis skirted backup dancers and like those ball cannons. (laughs) I hope it's very cool. I hope it's cooler than the songs. Unfortunately, I think the song is also kind of, kind of bland. Like it's Beyonce and you expect a certain amount of like pow. And I don't know that it's really, really doing it for me. It, it's a, another slog, right? Like it starts nice. You're like, okay, cool. Okay. I think I could get into this. It starts, this is kind of powerful. And then it just goes, apparently there's a, and this is an interesting thing too, that doesn't, you know, obviously preclude you from, from an Oscar, but the primary sample that's used in this is uh, it's a Doors song called five to one. Oh, nice. Daisy uh, has also it, sampled the Doors. Right. So he sampled it too. So that's, I think that's part of what, you know, sort of makes it, it gives it some initial appeal. And then I think it kind of starts to get a little repetitive from there. It's not Beyonce's finest, although she's always fantastic. Um, It's just, you kind of want it to be more because it would be really cool if Beyonce won an Oscar. Yeah, it's kind of a minor song in her catalog. It's not an event like you would hope it would be to take home the Oscar. That's the perfect description. It's a minor entry in the Beyonce catalog. And and it just makes you kind of bummed out because you want it to be fantastic. You want it to be show-stopping. And it's just kind of there. It's fine. Yeah, like you can tell that the beat is to match the scroll of the credits. Yeah. <laughs> And like all of these that we've talked about so far, they are definitively end credit song. When you listen to them, you can see that scroll. You are like looking at that, that gaffer <laughs> credits. <laughs> they really are giving that. So shall we talk about Encanto, Nicole? Okay, so full disclosure, uh, Ryan, because he has a, a wee baby girl child, has seen Encanto many times. I haven't seen it, so my knowledge of it is kind of second and third hand. But let's talk about it. Okay, let me let me clarify. I've only seen it once, and probably not all the way through because I was like probably cleaning the house while my daughter was watching it. Um, but I've listened to the soundtrack extensively. There you go. So you've already got a lot on me. I figured you'd see this movie ad nauseum. That's what little kids do. They make you watch the same movie a hundred times in a day. But I guess that works for soundtracks too, if they're this, which is huge. It's huge. It like blew up. Yeah. So Lin-Manuel Miranda, who I assume doesn't get an introduction at this point. Uh, he, He came up with the story for the film and then he wrote all the music for it. So, uh, this, so this song is not performed by any of the characters in the movie or any of the actors or actresses in the film. It's by a singer named Sebastian Yantra. 
and I didn't really know who he was. It's a pretty song. He has a good voice for it. And then today, the new Soccer Mommy single dropped, and it's and I I believe her new album is being produced by One O Tricks Point Never. So I was like, oh, cool. I like Soccer Mommy. And when I clicked to watch the video, it gave me an ad for like Sebastian Yantra's album, and I was very surprised that the like it it just seemed like a pop song, like you know he singing in Spanish with like auto tune. And it's, I, I don't know my, my genres within Latin music to be like, Oh, it's reggaeton or it's, you know, whatever. I was just, but I was like, Oh, this is a guy from Encanto. And this is a very different song. Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't have um, enough awareness of Latin music or of Sebastian Yatra either. And I certainly haven't listened top to bottom to the, to the Encanto soundtrack. How does this stack up for you since you've listened to the songs from this movie so many times? So, you know, this is a much more like traditional sort of song. Like this kind of has Oscar submission written all over it. Um, I remember tweeting about when the nominations came out. I was like, what about Bruno? And I think I jokingly put like just for Bruno as a hashtag. And then I was immediately like smacked down by... I believe it was Edward Havens of the 80s film podcast. He was like, this is probably the song that they submitted for for your consideration. They got their nomination. No reason to be upset. So to unpack that for me, I don't understand. They submitted it for consideration. We don't talk about Bruno, which is like the breakaway hit from this, right? They submitted it, but it's not nominated. Well, probably before the movie came, or probably whenever submissions had to come in, which was before the new year, they probably just submitted this one song, Dos Oruguitas. Man, I don't have to say this like 10 times on the episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they probably submitted Dos Oruguitas and they probably didn't submit Bruno. And then Bruno blew up, but it was too late to resubmit it. Though I'm not sure because some movies in the past have multiple nominations from the same movie. True. So I don't know if Disney was like, well, we don't want to split the vote by nominating too many songs. Interesting. I mean, yeah. And it seems like they're kind of playing fast and loose with the rules with this best song category. So it's a little bit baffling that we don't talk about Bruno isn't here. Like I, I told someone about your uh your sort of twitter beef that you had about this and people came for beef. you it's not, a, it's beef, not beef, a beef but people who are kind of like it's fine ryan calm down right <laughs> it's like we don't uh yeah we don't talk about bruno like for real we don't talk about it i guess when it comes to this category even though i feel like that's what's on everyone's mind we don't talk about the song not being nominated well you know the oscars is nominating like this like people's choice thing for like films you know because they're worried that people don't know what these, you know, small art house films are and they won't watch. And it's like, well, then just put Bruno in the best song category. Just just fuck with the rules. Who cares? That's what I'm saying. Problem solved. Like, why be so precious about it and so attached to the old way of nominating things if you need ratings and you're trying to spice up your show, put in the show, put in the song that everyone is absolutely bananas over right now um, yeah, that, that song is bonkers there's nine different people that sing on it yeah it tells multiple stories mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it's mostly telling the story about how Bruno like basically ruins everyone's life mm-hmm. by, you know, telling them their future. But like there is a line just straight up like time for dinner because that's what's happening in the movie. <laughs> you have a person from the town saying, you know, he told me my fish was going to die and the next day it's dead. <laughs> and then some other guy's like, oh, yeah. And then he told me I was going to get fat. And then this other guy's like, and then he told me I was going to lose my hair. Like, these are not the sort of like Disney songs that usually like cross over into the mainstream. No. And and I think it caught fire because people are already kind of predisposed to loving the things that um, Lin-Manuel puts together. Like he just has kind of a knack for song craft that's like this storytelling within songs and it's charming and it's funny. And I think people just got super into it um, in ways that they didn't expect. And this is definitely behind the trend. Yeah. And he jams like a couple different genres of flat music in this, I believe. And yeah, and Dos Origitas is like completely the opposite. It's like, here's like, I wouldn't say a traditional ballad, but this is what you would expect a Oscar song to sound like. Not nine people singing about how Bruno's fucking up their life. Right. It would be kind of like if you went back to Disney past and you nominated, I don't know, like, um, what's the song that like Belle sings when she's like tripping around the town and there's like a bunch of people in it. It's just, it would be a weird song to nominate and it's, it's like success in streaming is kind of improbable. So I get it, but also it feels weird to have this song in particular sort of, but at the same time, because Encanto is such a phenomenon right now. Like, do we feel like it has a good chance? Is it going to take it? Yeah, I think one of the narratives around this category is, you know, this could be Lin-Manuel Miranda's um, opportunity to get the EGOTs. Would this EGOT him? I believe so. It would? Oh, see, the, the person in me that loves like a... I just love a milestone moment. I want him to be wearing that like gold EGOT necklace from like 30 Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Rocking it on a chain. Like I want that to happen for him. Yeah, I do too. And I think the Encanto soundtrack is much more listenable than a lot of the older Disney soundtracks because there's like modern pop production on the songs. Mm -hmm. Like when I listen to Frozen versus this, like Frozen just sounds like a Broadway like that's how the production is. It's just a Broadway musical. Yeah. And I know we're not talking about um, an entire body of work within a particular film. It's one song, it's best song, but it, from a musical perspective, like this film represents something so much greater that it, it makes you root for it because there's so much work and love and heart put into this. Like it's, it's a lot easier to root for this than it is like the Reba song from the movie that no one had heard of ever. (laughs) It's also hilarious to listen to Stephanie Beatrice sing in her regular voice. (laughs) Cause it's like, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's Rosa from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but she sounds totally different. Yeah. I mean, there's so many fun things about it and Disney has a long tradition of winning at the Oscars, not just for um, filmmaking, but for for songs, 
Um, I know they've won at least a few times. Uh, so, you know, if somebody's going to take it, I feel like this is a good front runner. But speaking of movies or movie f- sort of uh, studios or franchises that are known for taking best song, we've got a James Bond song. So we have Billie Eilish's No Time to Die from the film No Time to Die, which is written by Billy and her brother Phineas. So for me, of all the nominees in this category, doesn't this feel like the most legitimate song in some ways? Like it's the song that like if it weren't attached to a movie, you can kind of see it being a song people would listen to conceivably. Like it exists outside of that, which I think speaks to, okay, well, it's it's a well-crafted song. I can't argue with it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's, yeah, I think it's the best, or it's, it has the most potential of like me wanting to listen to it after we finish this episode. That's what it is, right? Like if I had to, like, if you were forcing me to listen to one of these more than once, this is what I would choose. It's a great vocal performance. The production is really nice. It does sound like a, a Bond opening theme. So it does its job, I think, really, really well. Um, it, it absolutely sounds like it belongs alongside a, a lot of other great Bond themes. And that's hard because how do you not replicate what people have already done, especially like in like tonally, how do you not do the same thing that like 20 people did before you? Right. Including people like Paul McCartney. Yeah. Shirley Bassey. Yeah. Adele won for Skyfall like two years ago. So it's a really high bar. It's the kind of job that like makes me stressed out thinking about it. Yeah, so as far as Billie Eilish's career goes, um, I'm not too familiar with her work. I think she performed on SNL a couple years ago. But I know that um, there's a lot of people like on the rock side of the world that are like really pro-Billie. But basically, I didn't know that she could sing this well. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if you've only heard I don't know, maybe bad guy or something that's more um, mass popular at this point. I think that kind of masks a little bit her vocal ability, but she can sing like she has pipes. Yeah, so I'm not sure if I enjoy this song as much as I do because like the element of surprise, like I know what to expect from Beyonce and I know what to expect from Lin-Manuel Miranda to a certain extent. But I was like, oh, wow, like, this is a good song. And I didn't know that Billie Eilish could do like the ballad, do like a ballad like this. Totally. There's a there's a versatility at play that's really nice to hear. And it feels like this is such a read on the other nominees, but it feels like there was effort put into this. <laughs> that maybe the other the other songs are they kind of lack they're a little lazy compared to what I feel like was was put into this song was poured into this song. Yeah, I agree. But it was also pointed out to me on Twitter by Chad Clinton Freeman that this song is like three years old. Okay, Chad, 
Chad. Well, again, you know how the Oscars loves like their little rulesy rules where it's like as long as the movie was released like two hours before the stroke of midnight on this day, you're in, your song's in. It's great. No, he wanted it to win, but he was like, the song is like three years old and it's true. It was recorded in 2019. Well, Chad, it's been a long two years. Everything feels like it happened 10 years ago. And then I That's find out it I happened said. three months ago, and I'm very surprised. <laughs> it's been a slog. I mean, also, like, with these Bond movies, it's not like they're going to give someone two weeks to write a Bond song. Like, it's it's a whole rollout of everything when it comes to Bond. That is an excellent point. There's a ramp there's a lead up to a Bond film because it is an event. And again, it's such a cinematic event and it has such precedent that it's a really, really high bar to clear. And I think clearing it in this way, especially on the heels of songs that have also won Oscars, Adele Skyfall, um, Sam Smith won for, for writing on the wall from, I think, Spectre. And there's just a, you know, from Shirley Bassey, like on out, there's a very long legacy of really great, Bond opening songs. It's a legacy. So the fact that, you know, you can sit alongside that and it's not a bomb is kind of a big deal. Like, remember that one Bond movie? Like, didn't Jack White do a song for a Bond movie? My brain oh, didn't so, make that I'm up. So, I'm so glad Brandis isn't here for this. <laughs> right? Brandis, when you don't show up, we're just going to bitch about Jack White. But yes, Jack White did do a Bond song. And I mean... I think we can all agree it was kind of forgettable. I don't even know if it was nominated. And, and again, like I that I don't think that was an oversight. Like I bet it just wasn't good enough to be nominated that year. It wasn't great. And there are plenty of bombs, right? Like there are plenty of like forgettable bomb themes, but there are so many epic ones that I think this is a deserving, it's a deserving nomination on that front. And it feels like um feels like the most tied to, you know, movies and what they're supposed to make you feel when you think about best song. So are we going with that for your pick for who, who should win? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's still going to be in Kanto as the front runner. And I think these things tend to trend, like why they're just going to have to give Disney a bunch of awards. And this might be one of those categories where Disney picks one up but I think this stands a really good chance and I wouldn't be upset that if it won. I think if the Reba song won <laughs> and Diane Warren finally won, I would wonder, I would have to follow the money. Who's paying who off? If Van Morrison wins, I hope that he accepts it from like COVID jail in Ireland. <laughs> He's just like live via satellite, like on a, just a tear about the new world order. All of these artists and songwriters had an assignment and the assignment was here's a movie and here's what it's like vaguely about and wants to express, make something for us to play in this movie. And uh, I, I feel like there are only a couple here that, that did that in a way that feels like it, you know, elevated the material and they didn't just phone it in. Yeah, I wouldn't say anyone phoned it in. But I think I think the makers of Belfast phoned in this entry. I feel like you have a bone to pick with Belfast, with Van Morrison, with Bono, with Ireland. No, I really like the girly movie night podcast and they are Irish. 
<laughs> Apologies to Ireland on behalf of Ryan Pack. With all these rules to get nominated, shouldn't you have some sort of easy way to access the nominated song? Yeah, it's really irritating that you don't have. Yeah, I agree. There should be something more official than like a lyric video on YouTube. Do we know what the reason for it is? What's the reason? I don't know. Because he's a fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> Gotta be that, though. It's gotta be that. It's gotta be something like that. He is a notorious crank. He's one, also one of those artists that's just known for being cranky and terrible even prior to all of this COVID controversy. Like, you can have my songs and I'll even give you a new one, but you can't release it in any way. <laughs> right? You just have to picture it. You have to think about it in your mind and remember you it. You have to wait till the end credits of Belfast to hear my new song. <laughs> and then think of Ireland. And then you can never hear it again unless you watch the movie again. Maybe he's a producer of the movie. You know what will get people to watch it the second and third time? The end credit song. Well, I mean, again, he's a he's a big deal in Ireland. He's basically like a stand-in for Irish things, you know? Like leprechauns and pots of gold and Van Morrison. I thought it was and leprechauns, pots, yeah, Bono. And Bono also. But we don't talk about Bono. <laughs> we don't talk about Bono. And uh, Lily and Hannah from uh, Society Owes Me a Gen X podcast, comma, Fanny. But really, though, I try to avoid talking about Bono at all opportunities. Yeah, because he's a fanny. <laughs> I can't argue. So I think you and I are kind of on the same page here. No Time to Die is a great song that we would have no problem with winning the Oscar. But we'd also like to see Lin-Manuel Miranda get his EGOTs. Yeah, I mean, I think I think anything for him would be my sentimental favorite. Um, if I'm talking the song that I think is the best song, and that's how we're judging, if we're judging on like maybe more technical criteria, I, I think it's I think it's Billie Eilish. But I think it's also hard to win when you're coming off the heels of a bunch of other people winning for Bond films. And I think this Bond film probably kind of underperforming as well doesn't help. So as much as I want Diane Warren to win an Oscar eventually, I just hope it's not this year. We're rooting for you, Diane. But, you know, I mean, Diane Warren is not. It's, see, now I'm sounding like terrible, like a terrible person. But, it, you know, like, I honestly think she just hangs out in her billion dollar mansion and cranks out songs and that's a job and that's completely fine and she should be very proud of that but it doesn't mean that they're going to win anything like I don't know that she has that that hit in her I don't know if you weren't going to win from uh, that song from Mannequin I don't know if you've come up with a better song since then and again, she's associated with lots of things that I'm super into. Mannequin is a great film. She wrote that with uh, Albert Hammond. It's awesome. Oh, so she's not, sorry, she's been nominated 12 times, not 17 times. Okay, well, 12 is still a lot of times. Yeah, and, and seven of the last eight years, like no one else can say that. Not Lin-Manuel Miranda, 
not um <clears throat> not Lady Gaga, not Pasek and Paul who've been nominated a bunch of times, not Christina Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, like there's some pretty formidable songwriters that don't get nominated seven out of eight years. Randy Newman doesn't get nominated seven out of eight years. Right. It's an excellent point because these are all also heavy hitters, but they're not Diane Warren. So Diane Warren has her place in that whether she wins or not, I think she's secured her legacy. So how excited are you to watch any of these performances? Such a good question. Uh, do we know which of these performances are are like confirmed? I think Billy and Beyonce for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. Oh, and Reba. Reba's, of course. What's Reba doing? She's chilling. And then yeah. um, Deadline says, "Expect we don't talk about Bruno production number." Well, see, there you go. See, the Oscars were smart enough to at least include it in the broadcast. They had to. They had to. That I'm excited to see. Like, that sounds really fun. That sounds fun. I feel like Oscars performances tend to be really boring. Like, either really boring or really expected. Like, they're never, like, cool. It's never, like, a really cool, like, stage production of anything. So I think they just don't really have, like, the ability to turn the stage like that. Um or they're super, super awkward, or it's someone like, you know, famously Elliot Smith that has to like perform on the Oscars. <laughs> and after you know, Celine Dion. Yeah, totally. Right. After Celine Dion. And it's clearly not meant for him. And it's not, um, it's, it's not engineered in a way that like scales down for what he does. So it always feels like a mismatch, right? Um, Billie Eilish will be up there in like some kind of, you know, giant gown and she'll sing this song from Bond and it'll be really expected. There'll be like an orchestra behind her and like house lights will come up. Like you can already kind of see a lot of it. So the Beyonce performance could be super interesting because she's Beyonce. That I would look forward to. I don't think Van Morrison's going to be there. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what are you, what are you looking forward to? What are you like? Yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah, probably Beyonce on a tennis court, if that is exactly what's going to happen. Um, I don't think Sebastian Yantra is doing Dos Origatas. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear Billy knock this thing out of the park live. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, that'll be cool. I'm sure she'll belt it and it'll be it'll be a moment. It'll be really nice. But, you know, I think it's like, I think we are both kind of wired the same where we only really care if it's someone that we really like, like, you know, Elliot Smith or Sufjan or when right. Karen O did that song from her with Ezra Koenig. Right. Well, there's always, a, you know, it's lacking this year, actually, probably because indie is kind of like we're already post indie or whatever, but there usually is like that outlier, um, like up and coming musician or somebody that like nobody knows. <laughs> And they're completely not meant to put on like a stage production at all. There's always one, I feel like every year. Yeah. Oh, and I just wanted to follow up on our 2011 Rio versus Muppets Oscars. Neither song was performed at the ceremony. 
Wow, that is so sad. Was there some kind of strike? What happened in 2011? Was the writer's strike 2010? Might have been the writer's know. strike. But I these are know. but these are songwriters. They're not on strike. Well, maybe, maybe they were striking in sympathy or something because that just seems really strange. Like something had to be afoot. But yeah, there's no there's no like runaway breakthrough song this year, right? There's no let it go or shallow my heart will go on even you know but yeah because i feel like every maybe five years there's that one song that is uh yeah like shallow like that might have been like five years ago feels like but i have no concept of time but something like that right there's a there's a cycle where you know let's say like every like fourth or fifth oscars you get that like phenomenal like took over everything for the entire year type of song that really is like zeitgeisty not this year yeah even even uh city of stars from la la land that song was everywhere yeah so that wraps up our 2022 oscar nominations for best original song episode if you enjoyed the episode uh leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you use we really appreciate it thanks you to everyone who voted to encourage us to do this episode and uh, we'll be back actually on monday with um an episode on stranger than fiction with brand is actually being present thanks for joining us this week on soundtrack your life make sure to visit our website soundtrackyourlife.net where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.